So look, this is what it is. The uh, the first episode went well. Uh, shout out to David Technique Lakes and shout out to the whole GSPN for supporting this shit. Uh, so far so good uh, we moving on to episode 2 right now I got another special guest I am your host Ma Welcome back to the GSPN Podcast Let's get this shit started Yep, that's what it is Yeah man, you just showed me something man. Right on time too, I just finished cooking Oh that's perfect man So we would have been early But, but Because then we late <clears throat> All right, well, shit, this is episode two. I already did a little intro, but uh, I did not introduce you. So, you know, let the let the people know who you are. This is uh, North Side Zone, St. Louis Red, apparently on the west side. Um, and the group, though, is Dirt. No last name. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that shit too, dog. Saying my own fucking name sounds so weird coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Man, that's what's, what's up, the word, GSPN? Man, we're gonna see when they hear the episode, man. I, last time I talked to you, though, dog, I don't even remember what we had to get off the why we had to get off the phone. But I know that we was talking a lot of fucking sports, dog. Y'all will give you this. You know your shit, boy. Yes, sir. I think you were trucking. Or you was getting ready to get back on the road or something along those lines. Yep. That's actually where I'm at right now. I done drove through fucking... I woke up I woke up in uh, Jarrell, Texas today. and uh, Right. That's it. That's literally Jay, the same way his shit spelled. That's the way that shit... That's where I was at, and oh, crazy. I drove that in Oklahoma, and now I'm out here by Six Flags, dog. The depressing shit is running out of hours right before you get to the crib. Heartbreak. So, yeah, to real Texas sounds familiar. I don't know why. It's down there by Colleen, just a, just a little north of uh, just a little north of Austin. Okay. Yeah, I need, to, yeah. I need to hop in with you one day and hop out in, in a random city. Hey, you love this shit, man. I'm telling you, I I had, well, you know, I ain't gonna. <laughs> yes, my <laughs> side of uh, crazy. Yeah, I tell you about that. I tell you about that <laughs> on a on a regular phone call. We ain't, gonna, we ain't gonna go into that, but dog, uh. Let's jump right into it since this is, you know, I guess somewhat of a sports talk radio, man. And uh, the hottest thing, we can start with the hottest thing right now, especially something I wanted to get to, uh, being that is you. And with what you said, game one of these NBA finals, and you know, you've been pre- you have been preaching that all, well, I won't even say all season because last year was a season too, but you did say that the Golden State Warriors – were not a super team, and I completely disagree with you on on many levels. Let's revisit that a little bit before the people that didn't get to read the comments and whatnot. When you say they weren't a super team, what made you like, uh, you know, I guess I don't even know what the word is, confident enough to say that? Looking at the roster, looking at what everybody knows about the roster, what makes you say they're not a super team? Well, um, I mean, teams win titles, and uh, consistency is consistency. So when you think about the Bulls, 
you know, six titles in eight years. It was a lot of little roster changes in theory because they were winning successfully. You can call them a super team, right? Um, But contextually, in terms of what they made up of, you wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, I look at the Golden State Warriors prior to um, Kevin Durant and even post Kevin Durant. It's just a little different. It's, It's a little it's a little bit more. But prior to Kevin Durant, I look at the Golden State Warriors the same way I would look at the Detroit Pistons. Um, and, and that's the 80s you're talking about. You say what? The Detroit Pistons of the 80s you're talking about. Uh, ooh, that's actually pretty good. Uh, it might be even better, but in theory, I was just talking about the uh, Pistons that beat my Lakers. Um, oh, okay. Because one through five, they was a solid squad. You know what I'm saying? And that was a team full of cast-offs players that, in theory, wasn't working out for other teams. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Chauncey Billups had bounced around a lot. Rasheed Wallace was the most popular name, but he had bounced around a lot. Ben Wallace was underappreciated. Tayshawn Prince was a, was a youngster coming in. So he was just more so wasn't expected to achieve in that manner. But they had a system. They had a coach who I still don't like. And, uh, and, and they played their roles. And with Golden State, the team grew organically. So we talk about all this four all-star shit. We look back at some of the some of the most popular teams in NBA history, or some of the most successful teams over the past decade or so. And a lot of times they had four All Stars. A lot of times you get you get Mo Williams as an All Star, for example. He wasn't number four, but I'm saying when your team is winning, your team gets success. You get the All Stars. You know what I'm saying? Draymond right. Green, Recently, the Atlanta Hawks over the last couple of years. They exactly. Had they had four All Stars. You know what I mean? So so Golden State is definitely a solid squad. Draymond Green was a second round pick. Clay Thompson was a player who 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 came in uh mid to late first round, played learned to play his role, did did what he needed to do. Stephen Curry was a guy who I thought would I, who I hoped would uh be as good as he is when he was at Davidson cuz I was fucking with him at Davidson just because I like um kids from small schools but also guys who show that clutch gene and he had been showing it since then so I was fucking with him. But um Ultimately, for me, Golden State was a team that was that was built the right way, and then they fucked around, lucked up. Steph Curry got injured. His injury played into them not wanting to give his ass a lot of money. Then Draymond got his big contract or whatnot, circling back around. Clay, uh, Steph finally got his money. The salary cap jumped. Like all that shit happened organically, <sighs> and and up until that point, they were they. What about him was a super team up until that point, like. Like nothing about him was a super team up through that point. Then Kevin Durant joins, and I have no issue with it because should have had the salary cap space to do it, and he wanted to be in a place where the ball moved, and he didn't have all the pressure to be on him. That's that's kind of that's kind of how I saw. Him. It was a perfect fit, so I, I'm with you on that part, and I agree to that. I think what the, the perception of them being a super team is just the fact of. You have a team that's already pretty success. That's very extremely successful. It, 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 they, I mean, just historically, the Golden State Warriors were as successful as you could possibly be without winning the title. I don't think I've ever seen a team be more successful without winning the title. If I had to pick the best teams to never win a championship, it would be the sixteen Warriors. So yeah. you take that and you add Kevin Durant, who's you know, in my lifetime, uh, and I'm a, I'm a huge Bulls fan, despite what people think. I'm a, I'm a Michael Jordan fan, but I, I don't I don't necessarily think Michael Jordan is the same uh, level of scorer uh, Kevin Durant is. Not meaning that Michael Jordan won't go get it, 
but it just comes to Durant easier with his size and his ability. So you take what they already have, and then you add Kevin Durant to it. Which he's more like a, a, I guess, a cherry on top. Yeah. Type, uh, deal. And I didn't have a problem with it either. The only issue I took with it was the fact of, you know, they beat you. Like if, if they hadn't played the Thunder, I don't think I would have gave a fuck. Like you go wherever you want. It was just. You know what? Yeah. Well, I, I completely respect that, and I, I kind of get where everybody's coming from with that. My only problem with that logic is um, I firmly believed that Kevin Durant was going there a win, lose, or draw. You know what I'm saying? Go right. to Oklahoma City could have beat Golden State. And, 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 and OKC went to the finals and lost in the finals. Kevin Durant was going to Golden State. OKC could have beat Golden State and won the NBA championship. And there's still a very good possibility Kevin Durant was going to go to state. He was out of OKC for a host of different reasons, in my opinion, for a host of different reasons. You know what I mean? But one of the most important ones was he didn't like the way the system flowed. He didn't like the pressure and the responsibility that was on him in a lot of different ways. He kind of wanted to go somewhere where the ball moved. And any team he went to, KD stayed in OKC, title contender. He went to uh, D.C., title contender. He went to Golden State, title contender. He didn't go to right. Golden State because he thought it was the easiest path. He went to the Golden State because it was the easiest system. That's the system he wanted to play in. And the rules didn't change, bro. When LeBron changed the rules, I stopped. The NBA split into two different NBAs for me. It was the pre-Miami NBA and the post-Miami NBA. And you can compare them. You just can't compare the mindsets. So I don't mind comparing the LeBron to Jordan or any of that. But don't tell me about players who didn't win titles after Miami because players are a lot more apt to go ring chasing in a, in a prime now. And I don't – I'm not upset with it. Just don't compare it to the previous players. Right, right. Okay, I could dig that. But now the question is because it's got – I know you got to see some type of irony in the fact of what you just said with Kevin Durant went there too because of the way the ball moves. But mm-hmm. then you looked at this Houston series – and what type of warriors were they? Because the ball was not moving. So what do you think is making them get away from what they were uh, last year and pre-Kevin Durant? Well, I'm, I apologize. I'm, uh, I made some um, alkaline fried wild rice. This shit is delicious. I'm going to try to chill. It sounds like it. It sounds like it's good for mom. <laughs> but uh, I think it's two things. I think uh, uh, Iggy... Iggy's presence is important, uh, but what's most important is Houston's been prepping for this all season long. Um, Houston's been gearing up for this, been gearing up for this, been gearing up for this. And if you go back and watch those games, they switched everything. They did a tremendous job of switching everything, which which took away a lot of the, the back cutting, a lot of different, different things that uh, Golden State likes to do with their system. Them switching consistently and doing it effectively kind of put them in a position where they was matching ISO with ISO. And my biggest issue during that series and in general, even um in a uh, game one, when when Curry was 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 passing the ball to Durant, like I, I just feel like when when the going gets tough, Curry has to remain assertive. It, we we passed the point now. You you didn't brought old boy in. You didn't humbly say, hey, bro. Get, get your shine on. You gave him the finals MVP. I believe that's literally what happened. He had this vendetta with LeBron. LeBron beat him in the finals back in the day. He kind of wanted to give it to him. I think collectively as a team, they decided to feed Durant. 
Now it's your time to shine, bro. All that ego shit aside, this is this is still your squad. When 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 Durant is leading the team, granted you got more chemistry, but when Durant is leading the team, they don't have the same record as when you leading the team. So ultimately, I think OKC. I mean, uh, Houston just did a tremendous job of uh, switching, and they've been prepping and planning for this all season long. Mm. Yeah, they definitely were. They talked a lot of shit, and uh, I guess I would ask you about that too. Uh, as far as the Rockets, they got eight free agents. Do you think that's over with, or do you think they try to find a way to put that back together with them being so close to a beating Golden State? You could argue that they had them beat if it wasn't for the Chris Paul injury. Yeah, and 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 in my my mind, ain't no excuses. Houston could Houston still could have got it done. Houston still should have got it done. Um, injuries aside, so I think it's a tough predicament. I'm trying to think if if this situation hurts. Uh, in reality, Chris Paul want that check, and he deserves the check. He created the check. Like he, he as as the president of the uh, Basketball Players Association, he made it where he can get this, this big contract. LeBron can get this big contract. So for him to not take it would be weird. Excuse me, but Houston was number one in the West last year, right? And I think they were well, they number, number one, one in the West. Oh, well, you mean this this past this I don't seeding? Know. Golden State was number one last year, right? They may have been, but I don't think so. I feel like Houston was number one seeding both years, but it might have just been this year. You Either way, right. though, I, I can't remember. I feel like they was top two, regardless. Um, they are definitely better with Chris Paul, and Chris Paul is my favorite player. Uh, but I don't know about that contract, bro. We talking about forty something plus million a year at this age. With this injury history, right? I don't know. One of the fellas was talking about Paul George going there. I don't know how they would because they 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 over the cap as is. Like a lot of times with 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 cousins and uh with Paul, it's not a lot of room to bring in other players because because you got a lot of salary on the books. You can you can resign your player, but you can't trade them. So I'm opting out on that one, man. I, I think Houston may be between a rock and a hard place where the fans. Put the pressure on them, like, hey, we was this close. Bring Chris Paul back, right? And Clint Capella. I mean, I guess you're not gonna really, you're not gonna be able to bring him back either. Nah, they got to be able to figure out a way to do both. Um, I'm not saying they will, but they should be able to figure out a way to bring back both. You got to bring back both of them, because because if you lose Clint Capella, I don't think you can get anything else. I, like I don't think you got the space to do anything else, and you ain't got no youngster on the bench to uh, replace him. Right, you need somebody that can that can do what he does. Yeah, which which I don't want to knock him. Historically, it's not a lot, but he's coming along well. He's fits, he fits in very well with that team, and, and he does his job. And, and truth be told, in theory, you can minimize what he does, but most of the most of the NBA players not doing it. You know what I'm saying? Most of the guys taller than him. He like six nine, six ten. He's not even seven feet. You know what I mean? Right, they right. Doing it. Right, no, they're not. So that that's complicated. I mean, that works in Golden State's favor. Because I haven't seen anybody else challenge them like that. Not you know, not since Kevin Durant got there anyway. True. And 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 but but truthfully, um Golden State isn't worried about Houston. Should they be? Possibly. But Golden State is worried about Golden State. You know what I'm saying? They focus, they focusing on staying healthy, getting that bench back together, because their bench is trash, which is why the reason why they've been looking pretty mediocre at times this year, besides Curry being injured. 
They got to figure out a way to fill out that bench, get them players back, get Clay to sign that extension, lock up long term. Um, and they're not concerned about the opponents. The opponents got to concern themselves with Golden State. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, That's the respect. Chris Paul, Chris Paul been recruiting LBJ. I still don't understand how that works. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I don't either. I don't really. I, I I don't see it working. Not with Chris Paul, LeBron, and Harden. I I I think Chris Paul and LeBron could work, and I think LeBron and James Harden could work. But the three of them together, I, I picture it in my head looking clunky, like uh, Miami always looked to me. But you know, I've been wrong before, so it could it could it could work. But I don't. I was. I always said Chris Paul and LeBron couldn't couldn't play together, but Chris Paul proved me wrong when he went to play with James. But 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 also Chris Paul and LeBron have both said they want to play off the ball more, which didn't sound accurate at all. But they've been staggering, you know what I'm saying? James, you run point. Chris, you run point. James, you run point. So if they do that with um with LeBron, it's gonna be it's, it's really gonna be ISO City in Houston. Yeah, and the one thing that D'Antoni was able to get away with with Houston was you could start the game off with Chris Paul and James Harden, but at a lot of points throughout this season, he was using one or the other as the point guard. Yeah. And, you know, so they didn't spend as much time on the court as, say, Clay and, and Steph do. Right, because they, cause they games complement each other well. Right, and then now they're talking about Clay Thompson is injured. Do you know anything about the extent of that injury? Uh, I heard he might be injured. I also heard Jr. might be injured. Um, I know I was joking about Jr. limping into the locker room, trying to figure out a way to uh to pass off that 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 bad decision. But I heard yeah. him and uh, Clay may be injured. I don't know the extent of it though. Jr. Smith was definitely limping though. You're right about that. You know, the the video of people was like, look at the distance that mm-hmm. he's keeping between them. He was definitely limping though. Yeah, yeah, and they said he might be injured. Let me see. Clay Thompson, high ankle sprain, but he plans to play. He got a good old Steph Curry special. Oh man, that ain't no good. For now, that's a, that could be a huge problem for Golden. If they don't have Clay and that's Iggy, a big problem. Yeah, and, and Iggy. Iggy. No, Iggy. Iggy's not coming back yet. I haven't heard he coming back as of yet. Damn. I haven't heard he coming back as of yet. Clay Thompson and and, and, and Iggy, Iggy getting old, but those are arguably the two best defenders, including uh, Durant. Durant has been playing some decent defense. I honestly though, Cleveland. This is my thing. I would pick Golden State in Game Two, just because of the way Game One ended, and Cleveland looked defeated in overtime. LeBron specifically. Also, I know he tried to do it today, and it's all love and respect because I, th- I think the man is uh, tremendous in a lot of different ways. But what LeBron should have did is played that Jr. shit down, shit down from day one. Like be upset and all the different shit in the moment. But as soon as you got outside of that, told the media and everybody to fall back off of Jr. Mistakes happen, whatever, whatever. Said the third, you know what I'm saying? To keep Jr. morale and the team morale high, because what I saw. He was pissed to the highest level of pissivity, and it seemed like, you know what I'm saying, everybody was responsible for the shit. He threw a bitch fit. LeBron threw yeah. a straight fuck. I'm not mad at him for the initial reaction because, you know, the face when they was on court, 
I would have did that same thing myself. But it's like mm-hmm. once y'all are in overtime, that shit is over with. It's done. Can't do mm-hmm. nothing about that. So initially, I ain't got no problem. But but everything afterwards, including the press conference, I'm I'm with you as far as that. Yeah, man. I, I ain't never seen. Uh, shout out to the homie Javon. They were. Uh, everybody was talking about how JL don't give a fuck about nothing. He gave a fuck about disappointing. I, I think he he really appreciates his relationship with LeBron and the money he got him and, and a whole host of other shit. So he seemed to be very emotional after that game. He was upset about the fact that he let LeBron down more so than anything. Oh, well, you know what? You've been watching basketball a long time. I've been watching it a long time, too. And I would say from what I know about it and what I know about series, whether we're talking baseball or basketball or anything, you know, a lot of the, uh, I guess, the professional analysts uh, on TV, they'll say well, that was a turning point in this series, and I don't know if they can recover from this, but this also could be a moment where, you know, this puts now a, a chip on JR's shoulder and a fire on his ass where, you know, he act, it, it could make him play better, I guess. The yeah. Is trying to say. Especially on defense. I feel like a few years ago he played some solid uh, playoff defense. And was a pest, um, and it, and it's a law of power. You know what I mean? And given the opportunity, and that's another reason as to why I said LeBron should have taken that shit off the table because he was the only person with the power to do so. He should have taken that shit off the table day one, right after the game. You know what I mean? Nah, right, what, that, that, what do you that, mean? Take what off the table? What, what are you talking about? The issue with the game one? No, nah, I'm saying with Jr. Yeah. As soon as the game was over. You you had your one on ones, whatever case may be, and you got to the actual interviews. He should have played it down. Mistakes happen. Uh, you know he he should have taken Jr.'s situation up under his wing because he had the power to do so and play it down. That would have encouraged and empowered Jr. Because right now you're right, um, and you still hold a brother accountable. In, in private, I can chastise the hell out of you. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But. I, I would love for JR to uh, uh, to step up. Hell, I would love for Cleveland to win the series. Uh, and it was definitely possible prior to game one. But now the onus is on them because I'm curious, how are they going to respond collectively? Are they going to respond from the standpoint of, damn, we almost had a game. We, we could have stole that game. That game, or are they, are they going to woe is me? Or like you said, are they going to step up? And I think LeBron tried to do it today where he told the media to fall back off of JR and, you know what I'm saying, all those different things. And we'll see if, you know, they can gear up and, and, and get motivated. But uh, if I was betting, I know the odds in Vegas for game two was very similar to game one, and Golden State was still 12-point favorites. Yeah, uh, I wonder if it was 12 and a half. Yeah, and I told my brother, we talked about it. He 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 was, him and his pops was getting ready to bet. That was good money, and, and they would have they won, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I wouldn't yeah. take that bet this game. No, I don't think so either. But the one thing that I could say could be working in Cleveland's advantage, even though Golden State won, which just is a testament to how great a team they are. But when you think about Golden State over the last four or five games they played, they haven't been all that great. Nah. So let me ask you a question, because this, this is a question I was talking to my brother about. Game one. Just the way it played out in, in totality up until those final minutes. Do you think 
that was because Cleveland played better? Like, which one would you give more credit to? Cleveland's good playing or Golden State's mediocre playing? That's a damn good question. And, um, a damn good question, man. I, I would actually, I would have to say, um, you know what? I really don't want to lean this. Like, this is a, I'm kind of going to cop out here um, because if I'm being just real with you, I don't really know. And and the reason I say that is, you know, because obviously what we watched, I think Boston put the Cavaliers in a, in a situation where they had to be battle-tested. Indiana, but, you know, after playing Toronto, I yeah, think Toronto gave them a breeze. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, so... I think Boston got them dealing with a lot of defense, at least that side yeah. of it. So, um, you know, they were prepared in that way to where, like, they used to. And then Houston, Golden State just came off of a tough series. And, and that's the, you know, only time they've looked vulnerable since getting Kevin Durant to me. But I think they are a little beat up from that. And I think that they have not found – they ain't they ain't found their rhythm yet because they've been playing a certain way in that last series that was so gruesome. So it's like um, all I can say is I don't think Golden State played up to their potential, and I think Cleveland played above there. So I guess I would I, I guess I I don't know which side I lean more to though because um, yeah. I, I would say both happened. Golden State couldn't play. I know Golden State could play better than that. I'm not yeah. sure Cleveland could play any better than what they played, though. I mean, how many nights is Kevin Love gonna give you twenty? I don't know. Yeah, we not. I'm not even gonna go down that path because I feel like you know me. It's difficult as hell for somebody to say, "Give us twenty points a game, a night in the NBA Finals." When offense, listen, bro. Perfect example. Let me rewind. If Cleveland, if LeBron specifically, if a LeBron-led team in the East is almost a guarantee to make the finals, do you know why certain teams play more of their roster or or get young kids and get these different people uh, more time all throughout the season, put them in clutch situations and all the different things so they can become battle-tested? You know what I mean? Right. So if you want Kevin Love and other players, now granted, I'm a firm believer in it, so I'm not going to go too far down that trail. But if you want these guys to produce, especially when it counts, then you have to make them more of a fucking focal point. Excuse my language. You have to make them more of a focal point. You know what I mean? Oh, no, that's what we do on here, man. Make yeah. sure you use that language. That's what yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah. So, so, so it's like it's like it can't be me, 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 me. Okay, I need help. Produce. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times in a lot of sports, particularly basketball with different teams, that's how we kind of look at the production of other players around them. And then I, I just think it's a little unfair. But nevertheless, in my opinion, I think I think it is very close. But I think Golden State, I think the game was the way because of Golden State not playing up to their potential. I think LeBron was riding off that high playing 48 minutes, producing. He, he was ready to go. But think about it. Golden State, in my opinion, did not play well the first quarter, second quarter. Didn't play well the fourth quarter. Um, they played. Didn't play all that well in overtime, and we've been honest. Yeah, yeah, they just got that Cleveland was defeated. That's all it was. They played well in the third quarter, and Cleveland they did their normal third quarter thing, and Cleveland stayed competitive. Cleveland stayed on their ass. So for me, 
I'm thinking that uh, if Golden State would have played well throughout the game, maybe Cleveland couldn't have kept it up. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I don't think so. I think if if, if Golden State gets off to a good start, I think they can break the Cavs' will by uh, the second quarter because as much as I love LeBron, um, it's just something in him, and I, I can't explain it. He's great. He's awesome. You know, he's, I will say he's the best I've ever seen. Be, and not to say, you know, putting them against anybody, but I'm born in 83. Michael Jordan got drafted in 84. I can't oh. tell you shit about Michael Jordan rookie year, you yeah. know. So I can tell you a lot about LeBron's rookie year because this is – You're saying essentially we saw LeBron from beginning to end as adults. We didn't see nobody else like that, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. So our knowledge of it on him would be a lot more extensive than any other player that we've ever watched because we was adults through the whole thing. Yeah, but um, I just think if if they get down to a certain amount, and I don't mean like nothing, I don't mean like eleven, twelve, you know. I mean Golden State really put foots in them, as Shannon Sharp would say. They really come out there stomping their ass. I think LeBron will just call it by the third quarter, and he'll go laxed, and they'll just walk it on out. So I, I think we're gonna try to pick it up in Cleveland. Yeah, if 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 they um. If it's close by the end, then you know the LeBron he'll he'll stay in it. But I don't. He he just it's something in him that just seems like he, he gives up to me at a certain point. Uh, I can see that. I can see that. I think um. I think he's. I think he's obviously in the greatest of all time conversation because he deserves to be. You know what I mean? And I think he's earning it more and more as time goes along. A lot of his pushback came from the fact that he's been in the goat conversation for damn near half a decade now, maybe a little bit more, and that was before he earned it. You know what I mean? He was in it for potential. He had the potential to be, but he's definitely earning it. But like you said, a lot of those post-game interviews, I just need consistency, bro. You know what I mean? So when he said, uh, oh, you know, I, I absolutely can win, you know, because uh, I'm the greatest player in the world. A few years ago, yeah, I rock with him on that. You know what I'm saying? I did too. And then I like that. Just stand on it. <laughs> Don't budge from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't now in that series, in that series, I give it to him. He did stand on it. Yeah, but like, I'm saying stand on it in life. Like just, just be there. Right. Right. Absolutely. I I want to go back to what you said about um when we were talking about Kevin Love because that was interesting when you said um. You know, you can't expect – basically, I guess I, I can't quote you word for word, but the gist of it was, you know, don't make it all about yourself. And then when it comes time to something else, now you're throwing me the ball. Mm-hmm. But when I say Kevin Love give you 20 points, I don't mean like if he gets eight shots and however many free throws. I mean, if, if, you, get, if you get 16 shots, you should be able to give me – you should be able to give me somewhere around 20 points. You shouldn't come up with – eight points off 16 shots, no free throws or, or you're a pretty good free throw shooter, but you missed a couple this game. Yeah. It's, it's like, what, how much are it, you know, when you look at what LeBron is doing and I know you can't compare another player to him, but I, I just mean, as far as the, these guys being his teammates, you're not asked to do much. So, And that's the problem for me. That's the problem. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and for me, not only is that the problem, but that's what everybody needs to live with. I don't have a problem with what's going on and what's going on isn't a problem. When I say that's the problem, when people say, oh, other people aren't producing, I just feel like that's because 
that's not the way the offense flows. Like, all right, so for example, Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin Love can get you 16 shots. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, right. he make half of those shots. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm listening. I just said right. Yeah. He make half of those shots. That's eight points. I mean, that's 16 points. If you add in a couple of threes, two of them shots was threes. Okay, that's 18 points. You know what I'm saying? Got to get, got to get a couple of free throws to get it up further. You know what I mean? For me, yep. 16, all 16 shots aren't, aren't, aren't equal. You know what I mean? Right. So what I mean by that is, if I got a little shimmy in my game, if I got a little post, if I got a little this, a little bit of that, got some elbow jumpers, I got, I got all these different things that I can do in theory. But in reality, for the past two, three years, I've been asked to do specific things. Then that's all I'm in the mode to do. You know what I mean? I don't have the chemistry and the flow. The team doesn't have the chemistry and flow to look for me in certain spots, all those different things. So if the focus is, okay, and LeBron getting older, he has to do this now. This is the time. He ain't got no choice. Um, I have to get the most out of my teammates. See, um, most people look like, oh, oh, oh LeBron, he, he passes to his teammates and all those different things. That's, that's perfectly fine, yeah. And I'm not even talking about stat padding. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, that's his game. His game is to dominate the ball and score. And, and bring the ball up court and pay, and that's why the point guard doesn't doesn't run the offense, and that's why the power forward a lot of times is on the perimeter to keep the lane open for himself uh, in the past for him and D Wade, all those different things. But that changes the functionality of the, of the way your team fits in. Ultimately, regardless of who LeBron's teammates are, people are always going to say he needs more help until he changes his game. He is the offense. The players play around him as the focal point of the offense until he relinquishes more of that. And at this point, which one comes first? He doesn't trust them. That's why I always said Kobe would be a perfect teammate for LeBron. Back in the, Well, first and foremost, let me rewind. Stephen Curry would be the ideal teammate for LeBron. Um, or even Clay Thompson. I think Clay Thompson would be good. Too. Clay Thompson would be a good one, too. But Stephen Curry has supreme confidence and doesn't need the ball and still will get you 30 easily. You know what I'm saying? Kyrie right. was a very good uh, teammate for LeBron. Um, so I guess what, what LeBron needs is he needs a teammate right now, unless he changes his game. He needs a teammate either with ego, who feels like even if they're not better than him or as good as him, they feel like they are. No disrespect, even Deion Waiters is a perfect example of a good teammate, but he didn't have the talent to actually live up to that. But he needs a Kobe, a Shaq, uh, someone along those lines to demand the ball to split the shit 50-50, I don't give a fuck what you do or what you want to do, this is what's going to happen because I'm here. Like, he needed that type of teammate because others just going to defer. You know what I'm saying? Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, those guys just going to defer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, to be honest with, going back to what you said when you added Kyrie in there, I don't necessarily even agree that Kyrie was um, a, a very good, the way they offense looked to me, it, mm-hmm. this is all it boiled down to, was you got two guys that do ISO, but LeBron will drive and kick, and Kyrie is good enough. He he will, you know, they both could do either. LeBron could drive to score, but he he will usually drive to kick when the double team comes. Kyrie yeah. is good enough to where it really doesn't matter about the double team. He can create something else and get that shot off. But sometimes he will defer too. But really, it just came down to instead of it being one guy that the offense was centered around, it was just two guys on the court. And you kind of knew what was coming depending on which one of them had the ball, you know, what, what was more likely to happen when they attacked the basket. True. And and, and Kyrie isn't on the level of a, a Curry who can defer or be dominant or whatever the case may be and just be amazing. But the reason why I said Kyrie, he's not, I guess when I say on the level of Curry, I mean in terms of being an ideal teammate for LeBron, 
he's not that ideal, but he's ideal enough because um, the, the focal point can be on LeBron and I still got supreme confidence in myself. And when the ball comes to me, because of how hard I work on my game and because of where I'm at and what I'm doing in practice and, and all these different things, like I, I, I'm ready. Like I can produce at any given moment. You know what I mean? Right, right. I think the, the, the Cleveland thing, they just – Kyrie was Wade and, and Love was Bosh and LeBron changed their roles to what he knew to win. But I think you make a very interesting point when you say um, the Cavs won't change until, you know, LeBron changes. Like, when we make this argument and we go back and forth all day talking Jordan and LeBron, and I know it's two different eras, two different players, two different roles, but um, the thing that's uh, the thing that's that goes to what you were saying is that when I, when I'm making a case against Michael Jordan, I'm, I'll use the fact that well LeBron does this and he does that, but based off what you're saying, um, that actually could be a, the disadvantage for LeBron because well I don't know if I, I'm using the wrong words to say disadvantage, but when I the Bulls were together. Michael Jordan had his specific job, and and, the and he could have Jordan yeah, could yeah, have could have yeah he could have led the team in assists he could have done those things see what I'm saying he had the skill set to do he had the capacity to do it but it wasn't like like people got to have a role bro it's like a relationship you know what I'm saying right if, if, if as a man I'm gonna wear the pants and you wear the pants then I don't need to be in this damn relationship you know what I'm saying that don't, right, right. don't function right and when you know this what. Dennis Rodman is going to handle the rebound. Dennis Rodman and Luke Longley, they got that specifically. Scottie Pippen has this specifically. And that's not to say that all the Bulls weren't doing everything because yeah. we know basketball, everybody does everything in basketball. Yes, but you do have, uh, you know, specific things. And, and, and a guy like Russell Westbrook, a guy like LeBron James, or, you know, they're doing so much. And it's, it's good for the stat sheet and it's good for how you look. But as far as those teammates, I think you make a very, very good point, especially considering that the game before this one, LeBron plays 48 minutes. Nobody else is doing that. So this whole – you are the team, and mm-hmm. we use that to kind of – you know, we using that as your excuse. But at the same time, you – It was your choice. It. Yeah. You did this to yourself. So we basically – LeBron is shot, but he's the shooter. Yeah. He shot himself. Yeah. He, he plexico birds. Right. So I, I think that's a damn good point. And when I look at the Cavs, if Ty, Tyron Lue was really running the team, regardless of what they had on the floor, you know, like even with Phil Jackson, I talked to David about this on the last episode. With Phil Jackson, we know what time Michael Jordan was coming in the game. We knew when he was going out the game. It really didn't matter what the score was because we got other guys in there that got jobs to do too. So mm-hmm. we're going to sit you down because it's not your time to do your job yet. I know we down, but we're going to see what happens to the seven, eight-minute mark. And when you get back in, we'll deal with it then. But yeah. LeBron don't seem to accept a role of that nature. It's one of those things where the reason why Spolster was successful – is because Pat Riley had his back. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Ty Lue tried to buck. I remember specifically Ty Lue telling LeBron to shut the fuck up and sit down or something along those lines early in the career. And I thought that was amazing, not because of ego between men, but because like LeBron needed somebody to stand their ground. But that could only last so long when management is not in support of you, when the guy got the, got the, got the uh, team hamstrung 
by not being willing to sign long-term contracts. And, and, and let me let me let me get this clear for all the listeners. I don't have a problem with any of that, bro. Because it's it works, it's successful. He's draining himself and he's, he's all these different things, but he's that good. He can get it done that way. He's that good. But you can't complain about it on the other end. You gotta live with it. You know what I'm saying? Take your wins and take your losses. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't take the wins and then when, when it don't work out, you're like, ah, it's the, it's the support. No, it's not the support, fam. It's the way your game works. Right, right. Right. Yeah, you can't do that. We can't say when you win, well, like, look what he did. And then when you lose, I didn't have no help. And I, I don't even think, to be honest, I know, you know, the Cavs collectively, we could say the, the, the narrative all year has been, well, the Cavs are trash, the Cavs are this. And it might be true that they don't have the best chemistry amongst each other. Chemistry. But individually, I don't see anybody that's too terrible of a player. You know, like Jeff Green is a pretty good player. J.R. Smith is a pretty good player. I'm not saying that these are, you know, stars. World beaters. Yeah, but they've produced. All those players have produced. Uh, Derrick Rose, Isaiah Thomas, injury, no injury. Uh, uh, Jay Crowder, like all these players have produced over time. Darren Williams, like all the vets that he brought in. Cal Corver, all these guys have produced. They've produced, they've produced. And then you get the exact same results that you've been getting because that's the style of the offense. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Which I would have to, you know, we put we talking LeBron, but I would have to put some of that on on Tyron Lue because if if it is like you know what like what you were suggesting where they're having an issue with management, and obviously LeBron has his own issues with the same management, so it ain't they might lean a little a little more favorably toward him than Lue. But it ain't peaches and cream with him either. But for Tyron Lewis, like, what do you really have to? Is he worried about losing his job? You think to where he's just not gonna do certain things, or I mean, what do you think it is to where he just won't be who he was when he when David Black got fired? If you um, and I don't think Black should have got fired, but I understand it mostly because. Black and that's one of the biggest the biggest issues. Kyrie was geared up. Kyrie was recruiting players, all those different things before before the, before LeBron came back. You know what I'm saying? Cleveland sat down with him. They told him it was about him. It's his time. It's his time to shine. All those different things. So a part of that, then you come in and you want to little dog me. You want to call me the kid and all these different things over like all the passive aggressive stuff over time. Telling Kevin Love to fit in or fit out. You know what I'm saying? All those different stuff is passive aggressive. It's not really team building. It's not this team oriented player that they make him out to be. But all that being said, to answer your question, is absolutely the power is the power is in Bro's hand. He 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 is the goat in my opinion in terms of taking his career into his own hands and changing the game. Like can't nobody take that from him at all. But perfect example, bro, of how how it is selfish and how that selfishness leads to success. But it also leads to the decay of team chemistry. You know what I mean? So, right. so with that being said, <clears throat> um, me being about me signing short-term contracts is about me. You know what I'm saying? Me not telling people where I'm going or not having these conversations with different things is about me. Like everything is about me. Uh, me wanting uh, shooters as big men and, and me wanting the point guards to not handle the ball, but not to recall the point. All of that is about me. So if everything is about me, then how can people say you're unselfish? You know what I mean? Right, because right. you pass the ball, 
the hell is that about? So yeah, Talu's concerned about his job. Everyone's concerned about their job, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I I don't think you can like when you in the position. I don't think that's a good way to be. I don't think it's good to be as like, a man. It, it would be like a player worried about free agency while he's in the season. Like you really can't worry about that right now. As a man, no, you can't. And I'm not I'm not questioning anybody's manhood because we all human and we all make make decisions that we regret or decisions that we should have done something better or we with all those different things. I'm saying. If I were in, sometimes you, sometimes you got to bring it to a head, bro. When when Shaq went up to Pat Riley, when LeBron went up to Pat Riley, and they was trying to make roster, these this is what players do. You know what I'm saying? They was trying to make right. coaching changes, all those different things. And Pat Riley told them no. That's what you got. That's what has to happen. And and most of the time, you don't have that upper management uh, support. But that still don't mean that you can't stand the ground just like Pat Riley stood his ground. Talu can stand his ground, and then it's gonna come to a head. It's either gonna blow up fast or it's gonna blow up slow. But but that money with that coaching money was new to Talu. So I can see why early in his coaching career he curtailed. But once you curtail, I feel like it, it ain't no standing your ground. You know what I'm saying? You can't take it back now. You done went down that path. You know what I mean? Right, right. Right. I, I couldn't see myself being a coach and you know, especially if I got the job based off the fact of well, David Blatt was coming in here and he wouldn't say nothing to LeBron. It's like he was starstruck. Well, yeah, I'm not like that. So now I got the job. Mm-hmm. And then you eventually turn into what David Blatt was to where, you know, people even make jokes. LeBron is coaching the team. Yeah. He's coaching. He's GM. GM. All of that. All of that. Low-key he is. But that's because of that, that fear and that power. And I understand what you're saying. I, I guess the only issue is uh, I, I feel like I don't know, bro. I, I feel like you got to stand your ground and you got to live with the consequences. But that could lead you to being w- without a gig. Um, and, and as you can see with, with Byron Scott and, and uh, well, I didn't like what Byron did in L.A. That was terrible. But with Mark Jackson yeah. and a host of other coaches, you know what I mean? Especially black coaches. Think about it, man. Bro just won coach of the year amongst his coaching peers and got fired. You know what I'm saying? Improved the roster. They played better. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is shooting threes at a high clip for the first time in his career. He's looking like an MVP candidate halfway through the season before that tapered off. And uh, you get fired because your team, like, I, I'm not out there playing. I can't, inst- I can't instill hard in y'all. Those rookies, those young boys, they don't know no better. They're not afraid of LeBron or Cleveland because they don't know no better. You know what I'm saying? So they play like it. Y'all playing afraid. Y'all playing like y'all lost before the series started. But to answer your question, coaches, coaches, Jerry Sloan, perfect example, bro. Jerry Sloan was defined greatness in Utah for all that time. He was on his uh he was on his Greg Popovich shit without the titles. 50 win season after 50 win season, ups and downs, changes, Carlos Boozer, Andre Karolinko still winning. That's what he was doing. It can't Love him to death as a man, but uh, just I'm just talking sports. It came down to overrate, overrated ass Darren Williams, who they was having that Chris Paul or Darren Williams one on one a conversation. It should have never been that, but it came down to Darren Williams or Jerry Sloan. They chose Jerry. I mean, they chose Darren Williams, bro. Yeah, hadn't proven anything compared to Sloan. 
Like that's that's it's the players' league. They always gonna choose the star player. Then they traded him a few years afterwards. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer really, really made me question the careers of John Stockton and Carl Malone. And I, I didn't want. I'm not trying to say that disrespectfully, but I'm just saying, you know, if he made Carlos Boozer and Darren Williams look like that. And, and, you know, like you said, people were questioning whether Darren Williams was the best point guard in the league. No other time after he left Utah was anybody questioning. <laughs> exactly. And we still don't know what happened to him, bro. Like, what happened to Darren Williams? It, it, only thing I could say, and this could be wrong, but I got a lot of evidence to back it up, is that I could say it, it would have had to have been the system. Yeah. Some players are system players. I think he was better. Then he then he looked out to be afterwards. So something else happened emotionally. I don't know what's going on, but he definitely benefited from the system. And that's not a knock. That's what Paul George was saying about Kawhi Leonard. I think that was Paul. Kawhi might be every bit of as great as he is, but he also in a great system. You know what I mean? Right, so Paul, right. Paul George is saying, "I don't know." You know what I mean? I don't know. That's real. And I think I, I give the players a little bit more. I give them credit for their own stats. I don't really give them the credit for the Ws because I've seen it time and time again. You could see, you could average 30 points a game and win championships, and you could average 35 points per game and not make the motherfucking playoffs. Exactly. It, you know, that, it, it's, it's, it really goes to the collective of, of, of the team. But one thing I did hear you say, we on the subject of coaches and, and, and coaches that don't, you know, standing down to star players and all that, and I heard you say who you didn't like. So I, I want to bring up Larry Brown and – um why uh, don't you like him first? Uh, it's 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 a one thousand percent bias, bro. I can honestly admit it's biased. Just like I feel like Larry Brown might be biased, <laughs> even racially. Right. Even racially, I think Larry Brown might be biased. But um, the good thing though is if Larry Brown was coaching LeBron, I think shit would have came to a head. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Even, I, I think that too. Even George Carl, potentially, you know what I'm saying. I think those guys, like sometimes, I I, I don't want to uh I don't want to project too much because this is a personal opinion. But sometimes people's uh prejudices and and bigotry come in handy, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> they're gonna stand their ground. Um, but nah, I didn't like uh the way Larry Brown uh dealt with AI before or after. Um. I don't know if that was him or Pat Croce that that that, that leaked that information that that in theory was proven to be potentially super potentially false, but you know it's still speculation about him being drunk during a game or something crazy like that. Um, but it was more so like when he had talent and he didn't play it, kind of like a Byron Scott when he wouldn't play these young players because they were young players, even though you were destined to lose and you got talent and you need to move them forward. Um, I didn't like the I didn't like the Larry Hughes situation. Uh, which is what, even more of a reason why I'm I'm excited for Jason because uh, I feel like Jason is going to give us a lot of what Larry Hughes wanted to give us and was supposed to give us. Uh, and we can get into that another time, but he specifically got played through most of his career up until that injury in Washington. He got played and, and they played this game. But uh, yeah, I just didn't really like uh, Larry and his movement with, uh, with with players before and after coaching them. But he got it done. He got he got that championship with, with with apparently the perfect team for him. No stars, you know. Maybe that was a part of his issue too. Black stars, but no stars and none of that. And and let me, because this you know, GSPN is is the greatest sports group. 
uh, on social media, in my opinion. And uh, even though I'm a lot more, I watch a lot less sports, and I'm a lot more community based. I'm still, I've always been community based, but anyway, even though I'm, I'm taking a step back on sports, my expectation for this podcast is to pick up steam and go far because that's what I think of the group. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna recant that just because I know this is my uh, perception about uh, Larry Brown and his issues with uh, star black players, but. That's that's kind of what I saw, and, and why I ain't rock with him. Okay, well, I mean, I, I think that's a that's an interesting, that's a fair take, and uh, I'd say this too about that Detroit Pistons team, and especially when we were talking about we, we go back to the Cavaliers and we talked about chemistry, and the thing with the Lakers. I know I understand that Kobe made a decision on on how to play for that particular series, which ended up you know, mostly costing them the series. It wasn't just that, but it was mostly that that ended up costing them the series, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But that just goes to show, when we do all this talk about who had this many All-Stars and who had this, the All-Star is a popularity contest. Absolutely. That's, that literally means nothing. And when I brought up that post the other day, I know it can look like, you know, trolling. I just try to beat people over the head with the same information over and over again. Because I'm just trying to make a point. If I could use all these different scenarios to make a point, like even when we're talking about Cleveland and Golden State, and I think a lot of people repeat what they hear on TV. So you'll say, Golden State has this many All-Stars, and Cleveland only has this many All-Stars. So I brought mm-hmm. up that post with the Lakers to say, well, in 98, the Lakers had four All-Stars. What, what does that even mean? Because four <laughs> of your players got voted to the All-Star game? What does that mean? Because they were a popular team. It's L.A. Right. They got Nick Van Nexel, Eddie Jones. It's, it's fun. Um, but what's funny about what you're saying is this. When you said it, one of the brothers and a few other people thought you were talking about the Lakers with Carl Malone and Gary Payton. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, they did. And I say to your four All-Star argument, I'm almost certain that that Atlanta that we keep talking about had four All Stars, right? I think so. I have I did I didn't do the research to check on it, but I want to say so. I think they were, and, and I think at one point they were talking about putting the the entire starting lineup of the Atlanta Hawks in the All Star game. Yeah, yeah, and that's just because they were winning. They they may not have been as popular as a successful team in L.A., but they were producing. Yeah, it was uh it was Jeff Teague, uh. Al Horford, Kyle Corver, and, and Paul Millsap. Yep, yep, and that, that that sounds good. Even right now, when you say it, that sounds like a good team. Yeah, and guess what? No disrespect. They, if if Jeff Teague, or Paul Millsap, or Al Horford, or Kyle Corver, if any of those guys was was Steph Curry, we'd be calling them a super team. Apparently, you know, because I mean? that's the way I feel it flows. You know what I mean? Draymond yeah, Green. Of course. All things considered, Draymond Green is I – don't, I don't even know if he's of the cal- – I think he's close. I don't even know if he's of the caliber of Al Horford. You know what I'm saying? Uh, prime uh, for prime. You know what? I would, I don't think he is, to be honest. I yeah. think Al Horford may have him by just a smudge. And the only reason I say that is because Al Horford don't have the teammates Draymond has, but he's still – he's a passer out the post. Yeah. If he had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, I would imagine Al skyrocket. Yeah, and, and he's very he's, the offense. he's very well respected and well appreciated, though. But I, I, I agree. I think I think I think Draymond is of the 
He's of the Jeff T caliber. He's of the Jeff T caliber in terms of all-star. You put Jeff T on a very good team that's winning, and he's going to get some consistent all-star consideration. Um, but Clay Thompson is of the Al Horford uh, ilk. So I'm saying all that to say, you turn one of those four players into Steph Curry, and you're gonna have the and and you get a good system. You're gonna have the exact same type of hell. Budenholzer probably had the system. You know what I mean? But you're gonna be having people right, following right. the super team. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I just like individual talent is one thing, and a lot of times, like especially, I keep going back to the Heat, but to me, that was just a, a overwhelming collection of talents. Where you running great offense, the Spurs had to run. Probably the, to me, that 2014 Spurs was the best offense I ever seen. Not excluding nobody. That's that's including Golden State. Yeah, that Spurs offense was better to me because I didn't know where the ball was about to go next. I didn't know who was pulling up, and they were money. They were really knocking that. They put that together to because the Heat individually, the Spurs didn't have it individually. Look, no, you know, Kawhi great, but he he's not better than LeBron. Ginobili's no. great. He's not better than Wade. I, I you know, we'll take Tim Duncan over Chris Boss on name value, but at that but at that point in their career. career yeah. yeah, Tim Duncan was not better than Chris Boss, but when you whipping that ball all around that court and your coach is out game playing the other coach, then you guys are a better team. Absolutely. That's why that's why when our brother our brother Drew said uh he everything he said was valid. And I'm not saying this part isn't valid. I'm saying I disagree with it. So I'm saying it isn't valid, but I'm saying I don't I'm not the authority on it. Right. But when he said it took it took them to get together four super four all-stars or super or whatever he said for them to beat this man. Granted, I do believe LeBron has has improved, even though I still think he has room to him. That's the ma- most amazing part of it, bro. When you age, you gotta you gotta become more mental with your game. And LeBron was already super mental in theory. But when you age, you get to stay on top of your toes, you got to do other things in order to win. Jordan's NBA final numbers in 98 weren't the greatest. He was finals MVP. His efficiency was terrible. I, I want to say 98 and 97, his efficiency was terrible. And his rebounds and assists weren't up to his normal uh, uh, caliber because he getting older. He got to do different things. Got to do things different. Um. Anyway, I said all that to say that, uh, uh, my my pushback was, it didn't. When when in history did it take four all stars or whatever whatever to beat LeBron in the past? Like he 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 does have finals losses. You know what I mean? Right, absolutely. Just like when it was seventy three and nine, Cleveland won. It's always on the table for me. I know it doesn't break down like to to that way exactly, but to me, you get to the finals, bro. Anything can happen. You got to produce. I told my pops the other day, he's one of the best coaches I know of. Personally, in a lot of different ways, I've seen him coach boxing. I've seen him coach basketball. I've seen him coach football. All those different things. Um, but where I push back is a lot of times he's on he's on the paper. He's like, ah, this 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 team is better, or ah, he can't win this fight. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I would take that fight if I was his manager. And in some of those instances, I picked those fighters, and they won because everything isn't about what's on paper, bro. You know what I mean? Right, that's real. So Cleveland won that series. If Cleveland would have looked at the Warriors like they were the seventy-three and nine Warriors, if they would have looked at uh uh Draymond, I mean Draymond, like oh he's coming back for game six and game seven, 
you know, they could have gave up. They didn't. They got it done. That's why I don't. That's why I don't. I wish nobody ever got injured. But I don't really care about the injuries because you're there. You in the finals, bro. Magic Johnson jump center, forty-two, fifteen, and nine. Got it done. It doesn't matter, bro. You produce or you don't. This isn't. This isn't cancer. This isn't rearing a child or raising a child. This is sports, bro. It's not that serious. You get it done or you don't. Right. That's it. If you get hooped, you get hooped. Yes, sir. Now, I will say this, too, because like when you say you get it done or don't, and I've seen a lot of finals where, um, you know, one thing we know about the playoffs in any sport is that it's all about matchups. You could be the number one team, and this team could be the worst team in the playoffs, but if they got something that, that doesn't match up well for you, and they take advantage of it and exploit it as a weakness for you, they can beat you, and they might not be able to beat nobody else. But they got yeah, your number. Same thing in boxing, which is my favorite sport uh, besides basketball. Well, probably is my favorite. It's the same. It's all about matchups. Styles make fights. Right. It's the science. So, going back to um, the 2001 uh, Lakers against the 76ers, and I don't think nobody even talks about this, but um, one of the biggest things that changed, even though Philly still ended up winning their first game in L.A., one of the things Phil Jackson did, which was kind of to me, was what Steve Kerr ended up stumbling up on when he started when he started starting Iggy that turned the fifteen series around. Uh-huh. Uh, Tyron Lue did a hell of a job on Allen Iverson, and and that's not to say he stopped him or shut him down, which oh, that that's not possible. You yeah, know, so I, all I can do is make it make it inconvenient for you. Yeah, make it inconvenient. Some of your other guys aren't in their same spots that they would normally be in, and you're doing a little extra thing. You're working a little harder, that, and that plays a role. When you're talking about a series, you know, we understand fatigue in the terms of do too much in the first quarter, and you can't do this in the fourth quarter, but I don't think people give enough credit to do too much in game one, two, and three, and you ain't going to have it for game uh, four, five, and six, or seven. Yeah. So with that being said, I don't know if anybody ever asked you about this. How how much of a being that that same guy that guarded Allen Iverson, the coach of the Cavaliers that ended up, you know, stopping those mighty Warriors in 2016, how much credit would you give him knowing that Kyrie was not the type of uh, defender that he showed he can be in the finals? Do you think that Tyron Lue having experience from having Gordon Allen Iverson played a role with what he was able to have Kyrie implement on the court against Steph Curry defensively? Yeah, I, that's 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 a pretty dope uh, comparison, and uh, uh, I'm with you, bro. I, I think I think I think Ty Lue's a good coach. I don't know how good of a coach he is because I believe that you know LeBron is a system, and and. He can only buck the system so much, but you know, black black coaches get get a rap the same way with black quarterbacks. You know, black coaches are they're motivational, they're this, they're that. You know what I'm saying? They're not X's and O's guys and all those different things. And I think um Toronto coach did a good job of dispelling that uh bogus, bogus uh theory. But um no, I think Tyloo has definitely earned his paycheck in Cleveland in, in more ways than one. And you bring that up is 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 definitely Valid and something I didn't even explore uh, conceptually because <clears throat> that's a hell of an analogy. Like, like, like to put 
to put himself in 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 those shoes from the opposite end and and um I don't know I, I'm with you on that I, I never thought about it but but I'm with you on that I did want to ask yeah. you, I did want to ask you a question though real fast before we get too far past it because you mentioned it earlier when you said Kobe in 2004 blew those finals by doing what he did what did he do from your perspective well to me um once you see, and I know Kobe, I don't, I don't think he's a stat padding type of guy, mm-hmm. but I do think he pays attention to the stats in the sense of, uh, you know, we always give him and other guys credit for just being relentless. Like if you don't see that one go down, we'll just shoot again. We'll just yeah. shoot again. But you literally got a guy. Um, you got Shaquille O'Neal, who's a center shooting over sixty percent, which is not. I'm not saying that that's extraordinary or nothing like that for a center be to be doing, considering where you play at on the court. But you have Gary Payton, you have Carl Malone, you have Shaq. I think Kobe did not take advantage of the. You know, if he knows his personnel and he knows their history, then I think you have to know that Carl Malone is a good option for pick and roll. I think you have to know that that Shaquille O'Neal is seven foot. Ben Wallace can't. I mean, Ben Wallace can't do nothing with Shaq. It was proven when you look at the numbers, and they gave Ben Wallace a lot of credit, and the whole fro thing was good for for promo and marketing and all that. But when you really pay attention to what was going on, he he couldn't do nothing with Shaq. Even when I look at him getting Defensive Player of the Year all those years, and you think about two thousand four, five, six, seven. Other than Shaq and Yao Ming, who was he getting credit for guarding? Who were, who were the really great centers in the league at that time where you just say, oh, Ben Wallace did a hell of a job on him? I I felt like the, the Pistons overachieved, and I felt like Kobe took a lot of shots. Kobe's a 45% shooter, and he mm-hmm. shot 36% for that series. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? Uh, a few things, bro. Um the reason why I wanted you to uh to, to to spell it out is because I agree with you hundred percent. Um and I don't I, I I gotta go back to that interview. I don't know I know he admitted to his wrongdoing, but I don't know if he gave the reason and rationale as to why. I've said recently in the group that uh Shaquille O'Neal was very strategic in his uh in his uh NBA finals uh uh, finals MVPs. Like before the series started, he knew he wanted finals MVP, and that's why he got them. And I think that Kobe, on the same pressure people trying to put on Steph Curry, Kobe wanted a finals MVP. I think Kobe was. This is just my opinion. I got. I, I have. I'm not living it right now because this is a while ago. I have to revisit the actual games. But I think right. Kobe was trying to force it. I think he was trying to force his finals MVP. Um, and that's where he fell short. But in terms of the percentage, that's that's terrible. But uh, uh, Kobe against Boston was terrible. You know what I mean? Jordan against Utah was terrible both years. You know what I'm saying? Like in terms of efficiency, the NBA Finals is hard, bro. Yeah. You go back historically. A lot of these guys with Finals MVPs were the best player on their team, or they 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 came up the most clutch, or did the most, or whatever the case may be. But they didn't play great. Right, right. My Michael Jordan had a terrible series against the the Heat in the conference finals in '97, and and one that wasn't so great against Indiana in the conference finals in um 
I think it was 98. Yeah, yeah, I was a Reggie fan. It was definitely 98. Yeah, and that was a that was a hell of a series, man. Even though I say Reggie Miller, he played possum and tricked me too, like a wrestler. I thought the dude's ankle was really fucked up until he started jumping up celebrating. <laughs> I was nah. like, damn, he pushed Mike clean out the way. Yeah, Reggie was that guy, man. But shout out to Reggie. Yeah, man, that was I, I'm a huge Reggie Miller fan, man. Yeah, and that's that's unique, you know what I'm saying? Because cause you walk that line with, with, with uh, well, you said Bulls and then Reggie. That's not necessarily Pacers. Um, but I actually did not, I was not a Bulls fan um, or a Jordan fan. I respected Jordan. Kind of like you respect Carl Malone. My brother told me a long time ago, he said Carl Malone like the KRS-One of basketball. <laughs> it's like, you got to give him his credit, but nobody want to see that man in the post. Um, that being said. Not really. Nah. Uh, that being said, uh, I didn't I didn't like the Bulls for the same reason a lot of people probably don't like the Warriors right now. Like, in theory, before the year started, you kind of had a feeling who was going to win. You know what I mean? Right, was, right. That was just boring to me. That's the reason why uh, I, I was so excited about Shaq and Penny and, and they, what they could have did as a tandem going forward because they were young. All right, if y'all go on a run of, of four or five championships, that's fine. At least y'all closer to my age. You know what I'm saying? Somebody I can relate right. to more. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I'm with you on that part, too, especially being closer to my age. I don't, <laughs> to be honest, I hate to always look at it like, um, like, you know, I was talking before. We This was our conversation we had off of this, uh, you know, the, the podcast, but I, I look at it like the strip club. Like, I don't want to go in the strip club and nobody tell me, oh, yeah, all the best hoes was here earlier. You missed them. I don't want that shit. I want the, uh, you know, I want the here and the right now. What do you have right now? So when I come to the NBA, I don't want to see old clips of Kareem and Jordan and you telling me how they this generation will never be what they were. Well, what the fuck am I watching this shit for then? If, it, if it's not comparable, I don't want to watch the second-rate product. Oh, shit, you still there? Did it let you go? Nah, you good. Go ahead. Ah, okay, okay. I was making sure you still on the line. It got quiet right there. Nah, the, uh, I, I received a phone call. Oh, that happened to David, too. I gotta get, I guess I gotta get used to this here, boy. Also, it, it makes a, it makes like a dead air sound on this end when that, when it happened. It sounds like a, I mean, you don't hear nothing. But yeah, so, it was something else I wanted to ask you, too, when we was on that subject of, uh, yeah, okay, the Kobe thing. And that was the question I, I, I asked David. I, I can't remember if I got an answer on it, but um, I'm going to ask you this, too. And we may have talked about it before. If we have, forgive me. Just go ahead and give me the answer again if we have. Mm-hmm. But when you look at um, Kobe, and like you said, I, I believe he was going for that MVP, too, and that finals MVP, rather. How much blame um, do you give the fans, if any at all, because for the most part, it's us in these players' ear that, that you know, they're human, they're men. I'm not trying to make excuses for them at all. But, but at, at the same time, when I say they are human, meaning that, you know, you hear things and you don't want to be perceived a certain way. And you kind of sometimes we make our decisions based on how we're going to be perceived. And Kobe openly says, I don't want to be looked at in on my Hall of Fame speech. And they go, well, he got titles, but he has Shaq. Yeah. And Kyrie, uh, you know, he's a big Mamba fan, so 
we a guy like Kobe and Kyrie, I don't have a problem with you wanting to be the man on your team. But when you compare Kobe and Kyrie with what they did, you know, the legal pat them on the back. But then you turn around and you get Wade and Curry, who says, no, nah, I want to win. Y'all come here. Y'all could be the guy. But then we pat those guys on the back, too. Mm-hmm. But then you take a guy like uh, LeBron and Kevin Durant, who I believe both are clutch. I believe both are great, awesome, amazing players. But we have seen them at times look like they have alpha abilities with beta mentalities. Yeah. And, you know, we will crucify them, or at least the media will crucify them on TV. Why would you not want to be the guy? So why is it that, you know, Kobe and Kyrie, that's good. You want to be the guy. Curry and Wade, oh, that's admirable. You you willing to give up being the guy. LeBron and KD, oh, you punks. You don't want to be the guy. What's the difference that, that creates that between those six different players? Yeah, well, that's a dope question. Uh, I mean, everything relates back to just, just uh, human interaction and perception. Um <clears throat> So, so the 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 Kobe, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and LeBron is easy in theory, but but you threw the curveball when you said Curry and Wade because what you said is they relinquished they they were the guy comfortably, and they relinquished Wade the second season. Nevertheless, they tried to be two alphas, but it didn't really work out because mostly to be to be fair, when they first got together, I said Wade was. A poor man's Jordan, and LeBron was the greatest Pippin guy could have ever created. And I was just talking about mentality, like you said. Wade didn't have all of the, all of he didn't have everything that Jordan had in, in certain ways, um, especially health. And LeBron had it all and didn't always have the mentality. Since then, LeBron is, in my opinion, has definitely changed. Like he's grown into his alpha, in a way. He definitely has some some beta tendencies, and he definitely has some terrible passive aggressive shit off the court, which is personal opinion. I think it's terrible. But um, <clears throat> going back to your question, thinking about it from the six, uh, as I've never done it before. I mean, some people gave gave Curry a little bit of backlash with the whole Durant thing, but it was mostly, I guess, because of Durant. Um, and and in, and in all honesty, uh, when you're using that analogy. Um, Westbrook had that that alpha mentality and did not necessarily have all of the capacity, particularly from an efficiency of getting it done. Um, some other things too, like Durant in theory was better for that position, but he didn't have that mentality, which is why he went to Golden State. Which is weird because now a lot of times they try to defer to him, but he still don't have that mentality. It doesn't make sense. Um, but I, I think in I think in life, bro, in the animal kingdom and all that shit, the beta mentality is just problematic. You know what I mean? You can you can retire, you can be the king, you can be on the throne, Dwayne Wade in theory, and you can age out. Like I ain't got it no more. You know what I'm saying? King yeah. King T'Challa took over for his father, all those different things. I can't do this no more. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna pass the baton. I'm gonna pass the cigar. But when you in the animal kingdom, bro. The the, the 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 lion with the biggest mane, the baddest mofo, whatever they said the third, that's who gets the mating selections. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I think it's I think it's just traditional alpha beta. So so with Durant and LeBron being so good, and granted, like I said, I think LeBron is has 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 grown tremendously in that capacity in a lot of ways. 
And I think Durant still got some room to grow, but he's still young too. Uh, but I think that I was agree the issue. That. I think the issue is the beta mentality. Period. Like it's not well received in 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 mother, on Mother Earth. Like I don't want to make it a a, a human thing because I feel like it's the exact same way in the animal kingdom. Like I said, you know what I'm saying. And I make a lot of those comparisons too, because like, you know, uh uh a little bit of a tangent, you know, skunks squirt terrible fragrances and, and, and squid squirt ink. Because outside of that, they, it ain't really shit they can do. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you in a room and, and the brother with the loudest mouth, ninety-nine times out of hundred can't fight. But that's that's the uh defense mechanism that God gave him. You know what I'm saying? That's what he developed. Right, the yeah. The capacity to be loud. So I think it's just one of those traditional alpha beta things where everything about you is alpha except your tendencies at times and and out of love and respect for those brothers as human beings this is all sports i don't know their personal lives we just talking sports so it's problematic and people frown frown down upon it i think with wade and curry curry didn't retire per se but but and the problem with curry because curry's issue is more than wade's in my opinion wade's makes more sense to an extent lebron was just better and Wade was aging out. If Wade kept his health and kept his youth a little bit, he might have fought for a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Um, right. He was aging out. Curry's problem is he wants to win. He he wants to – everybody keeps talking about LeBron eight straight finals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Curry's been in four straight finals. Let's not forget that. You know what I'm saying? And next right. year might be five. So, so we are already on a run – very few players in the history of the league have been on to been the four straight finals. So he's already on his run. And that's what he wants. Clay Thompson, we talking about uh other guys uh leaving to be the man and whatever, whatever, or leaving to take more money. Clay Thompson is about to take less money, potentially up to fifty million dollars left less over a life of a contract to stay with a team so they can go on that Boston Celtics seven eight championship. That's what they want to go for. Would they get there? Probably not, just because the way life works and injuries and everything. But we don't know. They could. Um, I said right, all that possible. To, yeah, I said all that to say. Uh, my issue with Curry is uh, we keep going back and forth about this, and I understand why people keep saying Durant is the better player, but he's not. He's not. He's the taller player. You know what I'm saying? He he yeah. has the most potential and capacity. But but since he doesn't have that it that Curry has, he's not the better player. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Well, and I think that too. The word "better" is is relative. Yeah. Because you know, I could think of guys that would be better if I was starting an NBA team. The list of guys that I would draft first might be different than the list of guys I would pick if I was picking to win a one-on-one tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe Allen Iverson in a one-on-one tournament. I think you can go far with Allen Iverson in a one-on-one tournament. If we were picking, you know, to draft our franchise, I'd have a whole lot of motherfuckers on my team before I had Allen Iverson. Yeah, that's true. So I think what you said with Curry, I think you hit the nail on the head because the offense running through him, you know, that's not something that you could just put. Durant is a nuclear weapon. Ain't nothing nobody could do about that. That's Agreed. If he wants to go to the basket, if he wants points, he's going to get points, and it ain't much you could do about it. But what is your team going to look like? Is it going to look – so Curry, I think, is going to be – it's kind of the, the, the difference in LeBron with a lot of guys. You know, I know LeBron scores points and all that, but whatever. But as far as 
on it usually, and I'm not. I don't mean statistically. I just mean when LeBron's on the court, everybody is a threat now. The whole yeah. the whole team is a threat when he's on the court. You mm-hmm. take Kyrie out. Kyrie's a better scorer than LeBron, but when Kyrie's on the court, J.R. Smith ain't necessarily the same type of threat he is when LeBron got the ball in his hands. True to an extent, but I feel like that's because uh, Kyrie's Kyrie's growth is not a negative thing, but it, it was stunted. He was a he was a young a youngin who was figuring his way out. I think it took him. I think it was three years before he made the playoffs. Uh, and that, and that fourth year when he made the playoffs, LeBron was his teammate. So we give all the credit to LeBron, but we can't say that he wouldn't have figured it out. That's why when they when they were making it about him and doing all those different things, it was like time to transition. And he was excited about it. He was excited about having a chance to lead a team. He didn't get the chance to do it, which is why he went to Boston. Boston had a hell of a system. He was playing great. We were giving Kyrie a lot of that credit, even though they were just pretty much the same team. Well, I ain't going to say the same team, but even though they were very similar to the team from last year, we give Kyrie that credit. They went down. Boston almost went to the NBA Finals. You know what I'm saying? Kyrie has to come back to a system that works where he still won't get as much of the credit or, 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 or the look as to why it's functioning. So I feel like he's kind of in a tough position. But based upon everything that we knew and had up until that point, I agree with you. Um, based, based upon what I'm saying, like at least LeBron passes the ball. I, I, I used to be super upset with Kyrie as the point guard. I don't care if you if you don't play point guard in theory because LeBron wants to handle the ball, you got zero assists in a game, that, that can't fly. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. I, I, I was upset about that too. I don't even know how – I really don't know how you do that. I could sit there and watch the whole game and not, you know, like the way the way you would not pay attention to Michael Finley scoring points and you look up and he got 40. Yeah. I could, you know – I could just not be paying attention, and then when the stat comes up and it's like Kyrie has zero assists, it's like, wait a minute, he didn't, he didn't assist the ball. I, he, I know he passed it to somebody and they scored, yeah. right? This ain't no. this ain't Clay Thompson or Reggie Miller. You know what I'm saying? Kyrie has the capacity to pass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's a solid passer. He just doesn't look to do it. So I said all that to say that um, uh, because of my biggest gripe with LeBron is in terms of him being the offense. I think Kyrie is a lot more, and I think he's at least proven that in Boston, if nothing else. I think Kyrie is a lot more willing to fit into an offensive scheme of a coach. You know what I mean? So, in right, theory, right. given time and, and rhythm, because he, he never had that, given time and rhythm, J.R. Smith might have been better off with, with Kyrie as a teammate than, than LeBron. Um, in terms of what I've been referencing, about LeBron being the system, and then all of a sudden you want this person to produce, and, and they ain't got the rhythm. But based upon what we know, I 100% agree with you. Like, you got to take LeBron over Kyrie because Kyrie has no record. He's not proven. And what's crazy about that, he still doesn't have a record. And let me ask you about that so we, on that point. Um, the nasal surgery, the, 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 the not being there for game seven. What, yeah. When you initially saw that and you heard about that, what went through your head when you first heard about that? Uh, what went through my head when I first heard about it was that is 1,000% not the reason why he wasn't on the bench. There is a reason. And it will come across as nasal surgery. If the nasal surgery happened during that time, I'm assuming it did. I'm just saying that he could have had it afterwards. He could have had it earlier. He could have had it a lot of times. To not be on the bench via game seven, I feel like it might have been one of two things, three things. He might have not wanted 
to 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 be there and, and not be actually able to help his team, not be able to participate. Like when 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 we winning, when we losing, things going right, things going wrong. I can't do nothing. I can't do nothing to help the team, even though he could have. He could have been a motivational sport. Him sitting on the bench and talking to his teammates and, and giving them ideas and, and visions of different things that he has and things that he picked up on could have helped them win. Um, but it could have been one of those things where he didn't want to be on. A, he didn't want to be there and not be able to help the team win, feel feeling uh, useless or, or or whatever. That's one reason. Another reason is he could have not wanted to see LeBron and the Cavaliers succeed. Not not be there, and then you know what I'm saying he got to he got to look at LeBron as they walk down and they greet each other and whatnot after the game after after losing. And the third reason is uh, he could have not wanted to Boston to go to the finals without him. And, and I'm not laughing at it from a standpoint of saying he's a terrible human being because everybody's human. And, and I mean, think about it at at, uh, at anybody's job in theory, you don't want the company be, to be doing better without what you're bringing to the table if you give a damn about your job and what you do. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so for them to make the finals without him, that would have been heavy. So I feel like it, I feel like it, it could have been 10 other things because psychology is a beast. But I definitely believe it was something. And I think it was likely one of those three things. And you know, with all of those three things, even if for different reasons, when I hear them, I hear one, three, you know, I heard one me, to me and three me. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's like um, I look at the other games in Boston, and you know, obviously, I'm not sitting courtside, so I don't know this. But I listened to first take, and one of the things that Stephen A. Smith was bringing up before that game seven is that when they were in Boston, and even in, in some of the games in Cleveland, I know they didn't take any, but um, Kyrie being there, being that moral support, you know, and 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 knowing that team. He was doing a lot of good just by talking to them and pumping them up. So yeah. I looked at that in Game Seven, and I agree with you though. It's kind of a um, a lose lose situation in the sense of either your new team is about to go to the finals without you, or your old team is about to go to the finals without you. I don't know what's worse, but I think if you show up, I think regardless of what happens, it goes away because there's no story because you were there. But when you are there for all, if like if he missed game five and game seven, I don't think it's a story. But you 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 were there every other game except for game seven. It, I think he it may have been like a hit him of what was about to happen until yeah. game seven. Or I would say I don't know if he even thought the Celtics could win at first, and then they got close. And then they got close, and that's when it hit them like, oh, shit. I, I left her to do my, you know, I left there to to get some type of, uh, I don't, I can't say this for sure, but it, it seemed like he left there to be looked at in a different light to not be a little brother, and now you're watching your new team. So even if y'all was to go to the finals next year, and I still say this, especially if LeBron's not in the East, if the Celtics go to the finals next year, you know, I'm going to judge it based off what I see at the time, but I don't think the casual fan is going to do that. I think the casual fan is going to say, shit, the Celtics was good the last two years in the playoffs. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals the last two years without Kyrie. So especially if they end up losing, whether it be to LeBron or whether it be in somebody else, in the conference finals they lose next year, I don't think Kyrie has proved anything as far as an individual player standpoint at all. Yeah, and that's and that's a lot of pressure because 
it's 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 the whole system thing. You know what I mean? It's it's what I was trying to. It, it never really matters, but it's it's a part of the argument I was making because you know a lot of times it's impossible to prove anyway, so you you just fall back. But it's the part of the argument I was making against um, people's raving of how great Tim Duncan was compared to Kobe. He's great. They're both great. But what they were specifically saying was like, oh, look at the, the consecutive 50-win seasons. So every time the Spurs won 50 games after Duncan retired, I would joke like, yeah, Duncan looked real good this year. You know what I mean? Helping them right, get to right. 55 wins. You know what I mean? Because it yeah. wasn't. And the only reason why they didn't get 50 wins this season, they fell short, is because they didn't have Kawhi for 90% of the season. Um, but but I said I have to say that Kyrie's in a tough position in the sense that if his team's making it to the Eastern Conference Finals next year would be a tremendous success for the Celtics, in my opinion. But at this point, since you made it to this, since you overachieved and made it there anyway, it's going to be looked at as a failure. You know what I mean? Period. Right. Now you got your guys back, and you still ended up exactly where you ended up the year before. Exactly. So because Boston had the number one record in the East last year, um, I think they did. I, I'm, I'm getting them and Houston. I think they both did. For, uh, yeah, Boston definitely did. Yeah, then Toronto this year. Cool. Um, but because of that, yeah, I had the best record before you got Kyrie. Then you made it to the NBA Finals without Kyrie, and you had him. I mean, Eastern Conference Finals. Now – Anything that's not making the NBA Finals is going to come back on Kyrie. It's not even going to come back on Gordon Hayward that much. Like the, like the fella said, you know, this is America, so Gordon Hayward definitely going to be the great white hope, and he's going to get his opportunities and all those different things. But the failure, regardless of whose responsibility it is, which is Brad Stevens, I think Brad Stevens cost him Game 7 too. Brad Stevens and Al Horford cost Boston Game 7. I stand on that. But um, even though it's Brad Stevens' fault, <laughs> uh and why why do you say that? Let me ask that real quick. Why Kyrie, do you say that? Well, well, let me say, uh, even though it's Brad Stevens' fault, or in theory, you know, it'd be Brad Stevens' fault, Kyrie gonna get the blame for them not making it in the finals next year. Um, the reason why I say it is Al Horford and uh and uh Brad Stevens' fault that uh, Boston lost Game Seven is because Jason Tatum, the youth, Jalen Brown, like the the kids, they got them there. They got them to that position. They got them to Game Seven against LeBron. Fourth quarter, like all these different things. It's a beautiful thing. Um, then you in a position where you got arguably or a person who's argued to be one of the greatest coaches in the NBA right now, potentially of the past five to ten years, and you got these kids out here playing hero ball. You know what I'm saying? You got you got you got Jason Tatum taking on a LeBron James role. You got the youth, period. Instead of running uh instead of like y'all hoisting up threes. Y'all doing all these different things. Y'all not running the ball through the post. Y'all not getting uh, Horford touches. Horford not demanding the ball. Like, the game is on the line, bro. And I and I give ultimate respect to Jason Tatum. There's something I saw. I saw Tatum. I think he, he either got the dunk first or he hit the three first. Then he did the other one. And then all of a sudden, I saw Boston start looking to Tatum. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's not his responsibility. Now, granted, he stepped up to the t- plate. And he did great things in those moments, but he's still a 20 year old kid, you know what I'm saying? Who's a rookie yep. in the Eastern Conference Finals against the best player in the world. And y'all looking to him instead of the vet, instead of instead of uh, Horford and, and Stevens calling timeouts, drawing up plays, like, like, like telling everybody calm down, you know what I'm saying? They didn't have Kyrie um, with his clutch capacity. Like Kyrie would have, if Kyrie was in that situation, then it's a win or lose. 
then it's if he wins, he did the right thing. If if they lose, it's like ah, Kyrie, you was playing hero ball, you broke the system, whatever the case may be. Kyrie can live with that. That's the Jordan thing. Jordan said, you know, if I miss the shot, I can live with that. If you go with it, you know what I mean? Right. But to expect that out of Jason Tatum, to expect that out of the youth that was on the court, uh, Terry Rozier got back in the game. He was trying to do what he was trying to do, whatever, whatever. They were hoisting up a lot of bad shots, a lot of threes. They were just trying to figure it out. It, they wanted to win, and they didn't know how to win. And I feel like the coach and, and, and the vet fell short because they didn't calm him down. They didn't slow the ball down. They didn't, they didn't, work, they didn't work through the offense. They just, they just let it go, man. They let it play out, have it played out. It was like everybody became a spectator. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, yeah, I can agree to that. I can, I just wanted you to define it, you know, and especially the part about, um, you know, when you put it on Al Horford, and um, I, 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 I guess I won't necessarily put it on him in the sense of he's supposed to call his own number or nothing like that, but, but he's I a vet. Think, yeah, he is the vet. He definitely he ain't got to call his number, but he can he can call he can you know what I'm saying he's supposed to calm his team down. He's supposed to, right. all right, fellas, get, let's get back on, let's get back on course. You know what I mean? Or, or let's slow this down or let's speed exactly. this up or whatever the situation called for at the time. And um, another thing I want to say, too, is I, I think that, like, playing with your back to the basket and really going down there in the post, you know, every team tries to do, do it a little bit. But I don't think anybody does it anymore in the sense of, like, let's go win the game down there. Yeah. I don't think people do that no more. I hear you. Um, I think playoff basketball still becomes half-court basketball to an extent. It still becomes beat them up, rough them up. That's why uh, whoever that was that was joking about um, the Bulls and and, uh, whoever, Utah, being an 87-88 game or whatever, whatever, then the exact same thing happened with Cleveland. You kind of bounce back on them, and that's because – a lot of times, it goes back to what I was saying about uh, play finals MVP shooting 38% and 41%. Like, playoff ball is just different. You know what I'm saying? And at some point, you just got to get it done. The shot's not falling from the perimeter. You didn't play 100 games this season. Your legs are tired. All these different things are going on. And it goes back to what Kobe was saying when he was telling LeBron, get in the paint. Bro, it's not happening, but that's, that's where you went. It has to happen. You know what I'm saying? We need to get easier baskets. We need to run our plays, and you can even shoot jumpers. You can shoot some threes, but you got to shoot some threes off of some picks and off of some screens. Like, we got to pick and roll. We got to do something, bro. You know what I'm saying? We can't just run the ball up court, shoot a three for the next three shots. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I would also say, too, everybody trips off of uh, fouls in the sense of getting to the line. But, you know, I've seen some of the great coaches in the past uh, trip off of fouls in the sense of if I can get your best player to get three fouls before the second quarter is up, you're yeah. going to have to sit down. Yeah. Shaq, Shaq, Shaq used to be on it a lot too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm with I'm with that 100%. Like, let, let's get these guys in foul trouble. Let, let's put the onus on – let's put the onus on the, uh, on the referees. You know what I'm saying? Let's put the onus yeah. on the referees. You're going to call these fouls or you're not. And I'm about to start trucking. I'm about to start trucking players. You know what I mean? And then, and then that that gives you the if, if they don't call the fouls when you get on offense, then that kind of lets you you can kind of gauge what you're able to get away with on defense. Then so it still helps you even if they don't call the foul. Absolutely, 
And, and that's why I said I'm about to start trucking. It's like I'm going to the basket. I, now that I got this brother in foul trouble, I'm going right at him. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I, I think yeah. it's just certain level, certain parts of the game that have just been lost over the years for some reason. Yeah, that was that was a big part of part of the strategy in my thinking is uh, sometimes you just want to get a play off the court. You know what I'm saying? Hell, look at football I and mean, basketball too. You know when they when they slide their foot up under you and all those different things trying to get get you injured. It's the same concept. It's it's, it's dirtier, but it's the same concept. They're trying to get an advantage. You know what I mean? Right. It's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? You go to the body, go to the body. Sometimes they throw some low blows. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah, I put it in the terms of football. And one of the things I like about Bill Belichick, like I play Madden a lot. And when I play Madden, obviously I'm a Raider fan, and we have nothing to speak of on defense. Uh, um, no pressure on the – we can't get pressure on the quarterback. Our our cornerbacks aren't faster than, you know, the other guy. I really uh, – the only strong thing we got is linebackers. So, when I look at Bill Belichick play defense, and when you know you don't have the personnel – you kind of use the 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 field to your advantage to where like okay well nothing deep so I can let you get all of these little bitty things that you want as long as you don't get this I can give myself a chance late because you know you playing the percentages the more mm-hmm. that you got to pass the ball to get up the field that I got a greater chance of getting the interception I got a greater chance of one of y'all getting injured or one of y'all you know so many different things could happen so. Like, when I look at – if I was prepping for the Warriors, I wouldn't give a damn if I'm not – I'm running Steph Curry off that three-point line. He's going to have to do that pretty-ass finger roll on me all day. Kevin all Ray day long. All these mid-rangers. Yeah. I'm not letting y'all shoot threes, period. Like, one thing I see with Klay Thompson, if you ever pay him attention – well, yeah, I know you do. I don't even – shouldn't even say it like that. But Klay Thompson on a fast break, he doesn't run – I don't even know if any Warriors run to the basket. When I'm thinking about it, other than the post players, I can't think of – do any of them run to the basket on a fast break? They kind of – or, you know, they setting up for three-point shots. Yeah. I wouldn't allow that. I'll give you the two first. Yeah, the, the problem with Curry and, – and, you know, they're, I'm, I'm, I'm not – I'm a basketball historian, in my opinion, boxing historian as well, but I'm limited because, like you said, I was born in 84. You know what I mean? So right. I only have so much tangible day-to-day seeing it everyday evidence. But the first guy I remember consistently pulling up for three on fast breaks was Reggie Miller. And it was the most amazing, beautiful thing ever back then. It was it was a it was a heartbreaker every time. And Curry knows that. Curry knows how to read the the, the spirit that's in the air. You know what I mean? He yeah. knows when to go for, for, for the backbreakers, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But that being said, now I can't say that, that anybody, you know, runs to the basket. Um, I would like to say that Durant does a little bit, but uh, – and then Iggy would. Like, it depends on who's on the court. But for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even to an extent then, like, they, they know what Curry going to do with the ball. You know what I'm saying? They know what Clay going to do with the ball. So, I'm with you on that. I, I think they uh, – their fast break is the three. And, and, and to be to be, to be be fair – Reggie, Reggie's the the first person I recall doing that consistently. From a coaching standpoint, I don't want to give Dan Tony credit for it, but I feel like there's there's some coaches out there who felt like fast breaks, unless it's like a, a, a inbound fast break, which that happens sparingly. With some things, it happens often, but fast breaks are like extra possessions anyway. 
So if you got good shooters, in theory, you playing in numbers. You got an extra. You got an extra. That's what I used to play live. I used to do that too. I got an extra possession. I'm going for three. You know what I'm saying? Right. I wasn't supposed to have this ball anyway. I got this rebound. We're taking it up. Curry for three. Right, right. And you know, like anything else, it can make you or break you. But when it makes you, it makes you big. When it makes you, it breaks them. You know what I'm saying? But I'm yeah. with you. Like it, it goes back to uh, what we were saying earlier. Um, with, with Boston and all those different things. So everybody else, you know, they they on their Curry stuff. You know that that's another thing that uh could have been a problem with the whole Boston thing with them shooting all them threes. And that's kind of where the league is right now. But like you said, you get a rebound, you got two wings. Uh, um, running, they should be cutting to the basket. You know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's efficiency at some point. It's, it's it's more likely to convert to a basket. You don't want to run the risk, but that's why when that's why when Houston lost, I think they can live with it because they, yeah, they the lost. Shot, if the shots would have failed, you know, it would have been a different story. Shots didn't fall. I think I think that GM and they coach is is comfortable with that. You saying that they missed twenty nine three pointers? They that that means they left damn their ninety points on the on the court. In theory, well, we're gonna say at least forty five because we're gonna say they hit half of them. You know what I'm saying? Right, absolutely. Uh-huh. Well, you can take it a little lower, take it to forty percent. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still around thirty plus points. And, and guess what? The way Dan Tony and the GM feel is we hit them more often than we didn't. You know what I mean? So if they if there was a game eight, they would have did the exact same thing. They comfortable with that. They playing the numbers. Problem is, this is what Charles Barkley used to always say, and he was just wrong about the Warriors. It's okay to be wrong sometimes. I, I, I agree with Barkley a lot. He was saying that doesn't win. You know what I'm saying? That that doesn't win championships. And Houston is the perfect example as to why he was saying that. Because like I said, when the season's long and you're in game ninety five and all those different things and and everybody's injured because they've been playing all season. They were work, working through injuries, whatever, whatever. A lot of times it's more physical. The shots don't fall. You know what I'm saying? Right. Shots absolutely. don't fall. Now, I, one thing I'll say about Barkley, though, um, and it's like if I was talking to him directly and I wanted to make a point to him, I would start off by saying compare LeBron and Jordan. And he'll go with what most of a lot of the old heads go to were like that's different eras. Yeah. But I don't think he understands in the sense of like when Golden State was first getting going, he was picking them to lose in the first, second round in 2015, I think. Uh, I could be wrong, but he was saying a jump shooting team can't win. Yep. And it's like you also got to think, well, Charles Barkley, look at the era you came from. So you're not considering the fact of, yeah, in 92, a jump shooting team might not be able to win. But now when you got power forwards, this threes wreck like when when we were growing up you can count you knew the names of all the big men who shot threes mm-hmm. and now if i told you to name all the big men that shoot threes i can't it's so many of it's, it's so many of them two threes yeah I, I i was referencing somebody earlier sam perkins uh robert ory like back in the day it was far and few in between or beat us a bonus and then dirk was the first one i can recall that was pulling up off the dribble, you know what I'm saying? Jonathan Bender, I give Jonathan Bender that. Jonathan Bender was Jonathan Bender was was what Kevin Durant is what people wanted Jonathan Bender to be or what they saw in him. And truthfully, his game was way too clunky cuz it was brand new for a guy to be 6'11 
who can dribble the ball and pull up and all those different things. You know what I mean? Right, and he probably grew up with coaches that wouldn't allow him to do that anyway. Yeah, so he was clunkier, but nevertheless, I agree with you. Uh, But see, but see, I think certain things are tried and true. Certain things are tried and true, and then you have your exceptions. So what you're saying, I agree with you. It's a different generation. It's a different time, and it may not be true anymore. But then we just saw Houston die by the three hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they um, died by hard. And, and so that means that go to state could just be the exception. And and it wouldn't be hard to see why if if they were because they are that damn good. And, uh, and they literally got what's arguably the two greatest shoes of all time. And you know what? I'm glad you said it like that too because um, I listen to all these different podcasts and watch all these different shows or whatever. And um, everybody will say Curry. They'll say that instantly. But when it comes to Clay Thompson, they'll you know they'll say they got Curry, one of the greatest of all time. They got Clay and Durant, two of the best of this era. And it's like, no, Clay Thompson is one of the greatest shooters of all. And and to be honest, if it wasn't for the distance, because we've seen Curry shoot pull up from half court, Clay don't usually do that. If it wasn't for that and the fact that Curry handles the ball more because he got the better handles and he is the point, yeah. I don't know that Curry is a better shooter than Clay Thompson. I can't say I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't believe it, but I'm saying I can't definitively say Curry is a better shooter than Clay Thompson. And 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 you know what? I I hear you. The only reason I will say that Curry is definitively a better shooter than Clay Thompson is what you just said. If we're talking about just shooting. Clay Thompson is probably the better shooter now. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's but, the off the dribble part. But when you yeah, when you bring in off the dribble and, and, and pull up from half court and all those different things, even even like uh because uh, it's a difference. Like you talk about shooting and shooting three pointers, you know what I'm saying? So even when you bring in like uh uh runners and all those different things, like like Curry's better than Clay in that. So Curry Absolutely. in theory is the better shooter. If we just talking about threes, all around threes, he's the better shooter just because he can do more. But if we talking about catch and shoot, I think Clay probably got him beat. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say Clay might be the best catch and shooter. He he might be the GOAT yeah. catch and shoot. I can't think of nobody else off the top of my head. I obviously can't run through my whole life, but I, I nobody comes to mind when I will compare somebody to catch and shoot better than Clay Thompson. I don't know. Who who would you say? Ray Allen? Ray I Allen is. Yeah, I couldn't make him. I couldn't say he's better, uh, but Ray Allen is of the ilk. Um, Reggie's of the ilk, but Reggie's percentages Reggie's percentages were lower, slightly lower than Ray Allen's, I believe, at the end, and, and definitely lower than Clay Thompson's. But I think that's because Reggie Miller was more Steph Curry um, in terms of he was getting shots off. He couldn't dribble. What's weird is Reggie could get. Reggie could could get shots off with the ball in his hand without cat, you know what I'm saying? But also yeah. without, but also without dribbling, it was the weirdest thing ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Reggie was shooting. I don't know. Reggie was my guy, but no, I think Clay. I think Clay got the title. Um, I definitely think Clay got the title, and I wish him the I wish him the utmost success because I think he's gonna swallow that pill. He's gonna let the money go. You know what I'm saying? We 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 give him hell about it. Like a lot of people giving him hell about it, but they ain't give Duncan hell about it. 
Duncan easily left 100 million on the table throughout his career. You know what I mean? And then got robbed by his accountant. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, that's true. And that, that's another thing that well, I go back to, though, because it's like, I don't know what, you know, I know we're all different people and we all got different opinions, but I just mean collectively, as fans, we end up being one voice to the players, like a crowd in the arena. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they know everybody might be saying something different, but you know when a crowd is for you, you know when they're not for you, you know when it's your crowd and they're disappointed, you know when everybody's happy. It don't matter what the individual tone, what the individual is saying, you know the tone and you know how to read the room. Right. So I, don't, I just feel like um, I don't necessarily think it's our business. It's like you said earlier, they, it's their careers. They got to make their own decisions. And one thing, if you don't argue – for anything of LeBron being the GOAT outside of, you know, basketball that's not, you know, helping the community and things like that, is he gave the players the power or the, at least they – he was the – I don't even want to say he gave it to them. He was the biggest name to branch out there and do it, so he made it okay for everybody else. But what do we really want from them is kind of my thing. It's because, like, we'll – the same time we'll call somebody a ball hog and then we'll look across the hall and call the other guy passer. But we'll, we'll say, you know, I remember at one point, this is before the 2003 and we got all of LeBron and all that. I remember sports fans saying, well, all they care about is money and everybody is selfish and this and that. But then we'll call Tim Duncan a system guy, or, you know, we'll say, and I agree that he is, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, what is it that we want as fans where, it kind of goes back to the question I asked you about the six players. We'll we'll crucify a guy we think should be an alpha, but he's a beta. But we'll pat a guy on the back who's already established as an alpha to become a beta. So mm-hmm. you don't. So you kill a guy who who was in the beta role who likes it, but you think he should be an alpha. But then you say it's admirable for a guy who's already alpha to be a beta. I don't understand it. Like you. So basically, like you said. They're probably gonna tear Clay Thompson apart for taking less money to win, but ain't that supposed to be looked at as admirable? Ain't that supposed to be a good thing? In theory, and they damn sure, like you said, they damn sure look at it as admirable with with with, with Duncan, and never never factor that in. Along just like they didn't factor in Popovich being a great coach, they didn't factor uh, all them players taking pay cuts to keep the team together and keep building and keep getting uh, recruits as a part of the reason why they kept winning. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I think, like you said, um, Tony Parker and, and Manu was never that guy, for real, for real. Um, and in theory, if you're going to call, once again, if you're going to call these guys super teams, you can call them super teams because they were built organically. Um, um, early on with Sean Elliott and, 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 and T- David Robinson, uh, San Antonio got they, got they uh, Kevin Durant through the draft. You know what I mean? They had a team. Mm-hmm. That, that could have been number one in the West, uh, a top three in the West seating and all those different things. And D-Rob got injured and they got they got who they got through the draft. But I'm guessing that's the only reason why Duncan didn't get that wrath is because he was that guy. And then, because a lot of people will look at it like when you take less money than you deserve for a team, especially, you know, with, 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 with the history of America and racism and all those different things, a lot of people will look at that as a beta as a beta move. You know what I mean? Yeah, they like, will. you gonna let them you gonna let them play you like it ain't it ain't about now it ain't about rings or championships. You know what I'm saying? 
Right. Now it's like you supposed to you supposed to get that check. You can't you can't let this team play you like a clown, get you to take uh, less money because as a team as a league, they don't want to have no salary cap. They decided to have a salary cap. You know what I mean? Which keeps right, it at a certain right. point. So you need to make hold them accountable and take the most money possible, which is what LeBron and all of them are saying now. But I, I don't remember Tim Duncan getting backlash when when he was taking those pay cuts. And I, Clay getting I, it already. Don't get it. I, I really hope that it's, it don't come. I mean, I, hopefully he don't give a fuck. Hopefully he got that type of mind. But it just, I don't it, think he care. I think in I think in Oakland they getting additional money. You know what I'm saying? Right. And when you winning, you always getting additional money. You know what I mean? You you right. can get a max contract in Charlotte, and 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 that be the only dime you get because you're not winning and nobody cares. And Charlotte isn't a market. You know what I'm saying? Right. But guess what? With all the money that Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry are generating and endorsements and attention and all those, Clay eating too. You know what I'm saying? Draymond is eating too from being on that team, not including just uh, paycheck money. You know what I mean? Right, and there's a lot of local endorsements of things that aren't sold outside of Oakland that, that we all wouldn't know about. That all of them, like you know, we're not, we don't have a basketball team in St. Louis, but you can get a Jason Tatum emo special. I'm sure he didn't do that yeah. for free. He ain't do that for free. Nah, uh, uh, nah. I was about to say something else, but nah, he ain't do that for free. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now let me ask you this: um, the Cavs out rebounded the Warriors in Game One. If that continues, do you think the Cavs got a shot at winning the series? Um. Yes. Yes. It's funny. It's funny because I was pausing because I wanted to say no. Because I don't feel like I don't feel like Golden State has to win. Let me perfect, perfect. It came it came out of my mouth perfect. I don't think Golden State has to win the rebound battle to win the series. They don't have to, but I do think Cleveland has to. Cleveland can't lose the rebounding battle and win the series. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I if they continue it. that trend, it increases their chances of winning. It doesn't guarantee it. So I say yes. Uh, I do think that uh, them continuing to uh, win uh, win the uh, battle of the boards. Uh, will help them increase their chances of winning series. Also, because of the whole physicality part of it, too. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And, but, you know, they need to get as many possessions as they possibly can because they can't produce what Golden State can. But, you know, you know what's crazy though? I think because, because, oh man, I, you know, our uh, I, I foolish siblings. Uh, and this is out of love, because in this in this moment, it's this damn sure foolish men and women, whoever says it. But all this time when we kept saying uh, Curry was was only a good shooter, was only a good shooter, and not only is it nonsense um, historically, but I, I used to think about it like I remember when you know Reggie Miller, who I love, was was a good shooter. You know what I'm saying? Well, you can take it even further, like Steve Kerr and Dale Curry, like that's what they did. They just shot. Other guys did more. You know what I'm saying? When you had Mitch Richmond and, and them other guys, I like Mitch. He wasn't on Jordan and Clyde level, but he used to do a little bit more than just scoring. But Jordan set the tone from a guard standpoint. From a from a guard standpoint, like I'm averaging twenty some plus points. I'm averaging over five rebounds. I'm averaging over five assists, and I'm getting close <coughs> to two steals. That was all around and playing deep. That was all around production. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely was. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't like the argument at all when somebody says anything about 
what it is you do. Like I, I'm that guy. If we, if me and you sit down and we got a Super Nintendo and we playing mm-hmm. Street Fighter and, and I'm winning and you say all you doing is that one move, stop I'm not it. gonna stop doing that one move. Yeah, nah, stop it. You stop it. It's upon you to stop it. Guess what? If all I do is that one move, that made your job that much easier. All you need to do, all you need to figure out how to do is to stop that one move. That's all but, you had to do. I was just saying all that to say though that it's with Curry. Not only has it never been true, it's also the Russell Westbrook thing. So because of Westbrook, because of the nonsense between the two of them, we want to elevate one. So we say, oh, this player is doing nothing because this player is averaging a triple double or close to a triple double. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, historically, no one has averaged close to a triple double. So in that case, the entire league history, except for five players, was doing nothing this entire time. You know what I'm saying? Nothing but whatever the one thing that's bogus. But I said all that to say that uh, the rebound battle, I specifically brought that up because of the rebound battle. I'm curious. I, I feel like Stephen Curry over his playoffs, his entire playoff career, his highest rebound average, I guarantee you, is against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Guarantee you. Because that's what I mean by clutch and wanting to win, and, and that him being that him being that type of guy, no disrespect, in comparison to Durant and some others, I've seen Stephen Curry time and time again get important rebounds against the Cavs in the NBA Finals. Especially last year, Curry damn near had a triple double last year. He almost averaged a triple double last year. I think he had nine uh, uh game one. Yeah, and 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 I'm not even talking about that. Like I saw him grab some rebounds before that, so I'm very curious what his what his career average is against Cleveland compared to other teams. But I say that just uh, just because you talk about the uh, rebound battle, and that's what I mean. Golden State doesn't have to win the rebound battle to win because of their three ball and their system and all those different things, and, and Cleveland feeling pressured. Um, but guess what? Cleveland winning a rebound battle increases their chances of winning until. The game is on the line, and Curry's beating these guys for boards. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, though. I, if, if Golden State wins the rebound battle, then the series is over. If Cleveland wins the rebound battle, they're either going to win it or it's going to be closer than we all initially thought. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so – we are we are running out of time. We got about two minutes left. I didn't notice when I talked to David. You guys didn't get to hear it, but we ran way over the two hour mark. But it cuts us off at two hours. I found out. Okay. So we yes, got sir, about yes, two sir. minutes left. We're gonna have to wrap it up. But um, give me your pick for tomorrow's tomorrow night's game. Um, I want Cleveland to win. I want Cleveland to win. I just wouldn't bet on it right now. So I'm going Golden State. Golden State, can you give me a score? Uh, I ain't gonna hold you to it. Just right off the top of your head. I f- Golden State. I feel like it's gonna be. I feel like Golden State gonna be fluent. So I'm, I'm gonna say one seventeen, one seventeen, one oh two. They not gonna get the twelve points they need. I pulled that out okay. my ass, though. Okay. I mean, I think that's a, you know, with Golden State, you could have said 230, and I would have said maybe. They, they they didn't play good game one, so I'm making them play good game two. And they scored 124 points, 107 in regulation. That's them playing bad. So that's, yeah. that's saying something. Yeah, I got them scoring 117 in, in regulation. 
Okay, okay. Well, look, man, if you are free tomorrow night, I'm going to try to get another one of these going tomorrow. I, I, I can't say I'm going to do this every night because, you know, we, we all got lives and all that. But if you're free tomorrow night after the game, man, I would love for you to come back on here and, uh, you know, rap with me again. Yes, sir. I'm absolutely up for it, bro. Okay, man, we got 30 seconds. Anybody you want to say anything to or shout out anything? Uh, shout out to everybody. Shout out to the whole collective. I got a question for you, though. Uh, what's LeBron's stat line tomorrow? I'm going to say uh, 38, 11, and 7. Nice. Nice. All right, then, bro. Uh, Cuzzo, I'll uh, catch you uh, tomorrow, ideally. All right, dog. I'm going to post this up in a minute. Yes, sir. So what you just listened to was episode two. That's me and the homie, my cousin, Derek J. Collins. As you could tell from listening to him, the man knows his sports. Um, really great fucking episode, man. I'm enjoying this whole thing so far. Looking to get it each and every individual one of y'all on her at some point. It's gonna, it's gonna take a while to get to everybody. Hopefully y'all ain't getting sick of my motherfucking voice just yet. It's only the second episode, nigga, damn. But, um... Tomorrow night, uh, which will be June 3rd, of the second game of the 2018 NBA Finals. I'm going to try to get an episode together where it could be uh, a few of us on here, and we'll see how that works out. We know we get multiple members going or whatever. Make sure y'all shoot me them uh, phone numbers through the inbox and download the Anchor app so we could be ready. This is the GSPN Podcast. I am your host, Ma. Thank y'all for listening.